awareness is growing and more acknowledgements are being made, but tokenizing lip service is not sufficient for the damage that needs to be paid until missing and killed indigenous women are a national priority and our nation acknowledges its genocide and stops undermining native authority until the byproducts of bigotry and colonization are owned and addressed and stolen land is returned and indigenous communities have a place to rest we must be committed to listening better seeing better sharing better doing better let's begin blank paper and pen stories to tell battles to win deep breath and count to ten let's begin let's begin let's begin let's begin What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber. This is the Sit Up Podcast. And uh, we are always very thankful for you following along uh, on this broadcast uh, of a podcast that talks about uh, sports. Uh, we look into innovation. We talk theology. Uh, we we talk what we call the ugly what what injustices are 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 there and how do we do that in in good public discourse sit up podcast uh thankful uh, again to our sponsored voices project and the united methodist church of the greater northwest area uh as well as mina brown and matt owen for uh their incredible artistry this week we're going to continue a little bit of this conversation around change. We 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 started that a little bit in our last uh, live in our last podcast and uh, to talk about change, how you feel about it, uh, how it moves us into our feelings when we think uh, it's something that we you know we own and, and 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 has shaped us, and so we get in our feelings a lot, but we know change is inevitable. So I want to I want to introduce. You heard a little bit different voice, right? Uh, introducing the podcast this week. That is Heather Beamish, and Heather is a fantastic spoken word artist, leader, uh, and uh, you're going to hear some more from Heather uh, later in this show. But what what? change it represents is some of the work that we're doing now is we are talking to leaders of color not just out of the U.S. but what we're calling across borders. So you're going to hear today from a group in Toronto, Canada. We've, we've spent some time in Toronto, we've spent some time in Vancouver, uh, BC, and we're teasing out the question, what's new? This is a group, this is a group from uh, something called the Parish Collective Canada. And they are engaging in what they call a, uh, a theology of place. What does it mean to love a place well? But also, what does it mean when we love a place well, but to stay connected to a larger, uh, a larger story? And so some of what we teased out with these groups uh, in, in Canada specifically is, what does it mean for us to engage beyond borders? Are there things uh, that, that tie us together? 
What does community engagement look like for, from Vancouver, BC to Edmonton, Alberta, right? To Montreal, to Toronto, right? To Minnesota, to Oakland, to Dallas, right? To Portland, to Atlanta, to Philly, right? Like, what does this look like? Even our friends, we got some folks who following us from the east side of London. What, what does this movement look like beyond borders? This idea of community engagement. And the big question being, who is missing? Who's missing from your conversations? I know some of you feel like you are missing from the conversation, right? If you're if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, right? If you're from the queer community, right? If you're if you're living uh, without a home, right? You feel like you're missing from the conversation. But I think we all have got to continually ask ourselves that question: Who's missing? We're going to start that conversation today with the Paris Collective Canada. But know that conversation goes from from places in the U.S. to places in Canada to places on the east side of London to our friends in in Johannesburg and South Africa and Malawi that we've had chances to visit and have conversations with. Who's missing? And how do we do this beyond borders? This is the Sit Up Podcast. I am Leroy Barber. Let's begin. Words are important, but talk alone is not enough. Silencing one voice is easy, but ignoring a chanting crowd is pretty tough. Until sexual objectification and misogyny are dead. Until there's more visibility in our corporations with women at the head. Until gender equality and equal opportunity are given to every person living in our community, we must be committed to listening better, seeing better, sharing better, doing better. We need to ask ourselves whose voices are missing from this conversation. What diversity needs to be added to have full representation? until everyone's sexual orientation and gender expression are protected, respected, and not met with harmful aggression, until fleeing the country, self-harm and suicide are distant options for youth and they can come out with pride, we must be committed to listening better, seeing better, sharing better, doing better. While I still have a voice, I wanna make sure it's heard. Enacting change and sparking revolutions like Martin Luther King III, until racial divides and unchecked police brutality no longer plague our streets and weigh down our society, until the laws of our land and our government's legislation protect the vulnerable instead of profiting from their incarceration, we must be committed to listening better, seeing better, sharing better, doing better. Awareness is growing and more acknowledgements are being made, but tokenizing lip service is not sufficient for the damage that needs to be paid. 
until missing and killed indigenous women are a national priority and our nation acknowledges its genocide and stops undermining native authority until the byproducts of bigotry and colonization are owned and addressed and stolen land is returned and indigenous communities have a place to rest we must be committed to listening better seeing better sharing better doing better true allies are those who don't need a pat on the back for being inclusive, whose actions and words confront institutions that are harmful and abusive. Until I am no longer afraid to be in certain spaces because of the intersections that I hold, until being queer, female, black, and indigenous no longer limit my involvement in the religious fold, until my identity is no longer seen as something that needs to be saved or changed, and the full spectrum of human difference is celebrated and not seen as threatening or strange. Family, we must be committed to listening better, seeing better, sharing better, doing better. Thank you. And welcome into the Sit Up Podcast. I am your producer, Andrew Morgan, in for Leroy Barber. And as you know, we must be on location. And anytime we're on location, we get a chance to sit down with some of the most innovative people in the world. And today is no exception. We have, let's see, one, two, three, four. It's a lot of them. It's a lot of people in here right now. And each one of them are creative. And I can't wait to give you a chance to hear from each one. So who are you? Yeah, we are the newly formed Parish Collective Canada uh, leadership team. Okay, so the newly formed Parish Collective leader team. One at a time, someone come step up to the mic and tell me who you are. I'm Aaron Oxford and I'm here. I'm here from Toronto and uh, I work in a West End neighborhood of this city called Parkdale. And there I pastor and help lead a community that's primarily um, comprised of people who know uh, significant marginalization. Uh, my name is Hugo Vega, I'm from Windsor, Ontario. I work in the not-for-profit sector, working with new immigrants from all over the world. Uh, and that just takes a lot of shapes and forms, uh, but all great work. Um, very passionate about system, system oh. work. All right. Bryce Diamond, Ottawa, Ontario. I'm a community builder, community developer, uh, networker. My name is Dave Harder, also from Ottawa, and spiritual entrepreneur. Love my neighborhood. Uh, love to see community development, um, belonging, spaces of inclusion, and uh, love working towards that. Heather Beamish. Um at Toronto's home. I am a poet, activist, spoken word artist here in the city. And my name is Drew Brown. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer. I also do a lot of work in uh, community development and networking in Milton, Ontario, which is where I reside and hang out with my neighbors. All right. So someone tell me a little bit about uh, Parish Collective. What exactly is that? Yeah, Parish Collective uh, started uh, a number of years ago out of uh, the States with really a desire to reimagine what could faith spaces look like if neighborhood was a primary organizing parameter. So there's this amazing work going on in communities all over, but often the stories aren't told. 
and people are linked together. So the organization started to really discover who's doing this amazing work of love and care in the neighborhood and how can uh, they be connected um, and tell the stories uh, of that work. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a growing interest in building neighborhood um, and having neighborhood pride across the country. We've probably been influenced to some degree by American cities, um, but we're also seeing the benefit of when we organize and we create belonging, have belonging, how that is meaningful and helps prosper families and individuals in those spaces. So when when you each one of you, you bring something different to the table, right? So what are all the different parts and, and why are they necessary? So do you have someone who does a lot of things in the area of art? So I want to hear from the, the artists. What do you feel like you bring to a neighborhood space? I feel like art is such a powerful um container it's such a powerful medium for communicating important messages uh honestly a, a lot of times like um in my poetry and spoken word pieces i can say some pretty um blunt uh direct things and because it's packaged in a nice little poem and it <laughs> rhymes and it's got like a sometimes it has some music in the background accompanying it it really helps to tear down walls and it it uh it just packages a message an important message in a different way um, and helps people to see and to feel to engage their emotions with um, a cause uh, so i think it's it's very important um and along with the cause it creates a sense of gathering so there's something amazing that happens when you put food and arts together mm -hmm. people just want to be there and be present and not just be present within themselves and eating and hanging out, but they want to connect with others. It just, there's something about the arts that just allows people to kind of just, they want to connect. They want to, they want to know people. They want to be known. And so that's what I do in Milton. I do a lot of like events wrapped around the arts or wrapped around commerce or wrapped around um, entrepreneurialism just to kind of create community and create face-to-face -face time with people. That sounds good. Now, so is this a, would you guys describe this as a church thing? How would you, what, what space would you be comfortable describing what you do? Yeah, I'm less comfortable with that word. Um, I love when neighborhood becomes the organizing parameter in which we come together. So when neighborhood becomes that umbrella, church is part of what happens in the neighborhood, but there's also business, there's also art, there's also um, community spaces, third spaces, there's businesses and entrepreneurial adventures. And so when they all come together under neighborhood, the faith spiritual component is a part of that. And so it is there, um, but how can we link with others in this ecosystem called neighborhood? And I love the word ecosystem because we need each other to provide that space of love and care and belonging and connection and where each part begins to serve that neighborhood and that community. Um, there's just something magical that happens. Yeah, I I think I'm interested in knowing what, how, faith and the church is going to impact what we do as Parish Collective Canada. Um, I think it's clear as we converse with each other that we're wanting to uh, reimagine mm. what the church is and find new language maybe to describe our faith and how that gets worked out yeah. in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it feels very much like we're at the beginning mm. of figuring out what that's going to look like. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question that pulls back just a little bit from the general conversation we're having now is 
I've never really known this particular community in Toronto. In fact, I know very little about Canada and a lot of our listeners may not. So is this a diverse space? Um, what does Canada look like in the different areas that you're from? What does a neighborhood look like here? Wow. That's a great question. That is a great question. Yeah, I think um, depending on which part of Canada you're in, it'll look right. completely different. But I think most of us are from Ontario, so let's just, I'll just focus on that. Southern Ontario. Southern Ontario. Thank you. You're totally right. Um, and so I think, generally speaking, in Southern Ontario, it's pretty multicultural. I say pretty. I don't want to say very, because eh, once you get outside the Toronto borders, it becomes less multicultural, generally speaking. Um, but I think in our neighborhoods, um, and I'm assuming a lot, that we... Um, we are all based in pretty amazing multicultural neighborhoods. And so it's like the United Colors of Benetton. You know, it's, and so it's great to be hanging out and um, eating and drinking with people who don't believe in the same thing we do, who don't um, love the same way we do, who don't believe in the same God that we do. And we can just hang out and enjoy life and get to know each other and just be present in our neighborhoods. How has how that type of diversity shaped your mission statement and your vision? I, I don't know if I can answer that particular question, but I think one of the things that, because um, we're processing that, well, what does it mean uh, for us to be together and have a common goal or, or a set of goals and values? But one of the things that I know has emerged for me uh, in the conversation we've been having is the sense of belonging. And I think that's what uh, myself as an individual, I think that's what people are longing for. And the neighborhood can be, should be, um, you know, a place where people can find a sense of belonging. Uh, if you can't, if you can't, you know, uh, feel uh, like you belong in a neighborhood, I don't know where you can feel mm. like you belong. So I think we're working towards what we believe a neighborhood could and should be. Um, and sometimes that is reflected already in the, the spaces that we're working in. Um, but I know for me personally, it's bringing about that, you know, what, you know, that vision of what a neighborhood could be that is diverse. It is inclusive. That does allow for the arts that allows for faith and that, you know, in the broadest possible term uh, for abilities um, and, and bringing that beauty together and fighting for that. Because I think, you know, whether it's in Canada or another context, I think we're starting to lose that um, in the neighborhood. Neighborhoods becoming very um, segregated. And I think there there's, you know, a pushback, at least from this group, and others mm. of trying to say no there is beauty in diversity mm -hmm. uh, in the neighborhood and we don't want it to go yeah. the other way um so i think that's something the, the sense of belonging i think is for me personally what's drawn me to my neighborhood what keeps me there but also fighting for that to remain a, a staple of of neighborhood what it means to have a neighborhood all right so one of the topics that we cover a lot uh when we talk to a lot of different people from the parish collective uh there is a conversation about gentrification that goes on. Mm -hmm. So from your community's perspective, can you fill us in on how that's playing a part in, in what you're doing and what your mission is? In the neighborhood that I work in, <laughs> um, the gentrification is fast and furious. It's been coming for a long time, um, but it's very intense right now. And so for those of us who want to fight against that, <laughs> we keep um, we're trying to ask the question, is it possible to develop new things, develop new buildings um, that don't just simply displace mm. is um because that's what's happening. People are being displaced and it's making our neighborhood less diverse. And that was always one of the things that was most celebrated in our neighborhood was its diversity. Um, so 
it's it's taking um, some creative uh, organizing and planning, um, not just like a collective organization, I guess, um, to try to speak against some of that development, to uh, show that there can be spaces where we can um, coexist well together and not just coexist, but like really live well together. Uh, that's where we're positioned right now, wanting, longing for that. Does anyone else have anything on that? Yeah, I live in a really unique uh, neighborhood when it comes to gentrification. One, because Ottawa is the capital. And so there's quite a large um, middle class that has existed there, home ownership. But there's also the highest concentration of uh, social housing, government uh, subsidized housing already. And so there's this protection of, of that uh, while there is like a strong middle class that exists. Um, so it's interesting to see the neighborhood be able to create awareness for people who are moving into streets maybe, or maybe uh, homes and trying to flip those homes and trying to really push uh, uh, gentrification um, because there is this unique resistance uh, that exists because there is not just multiculturalism, but there's, um, you know, a variety of uh, class uh, or economics that exist within the neighborhood. So it's a unique maybe thing from how you normally see gentrification is this complete takeover um, by businesses or corporations. So I have a question somewhat related to that. Some of our friends get pushed on, you know, pushed to the margins and find themselves in the homeless community or houseless, however you want to uh, would want to phrase it. Um, where as an organization, where where do you stand with making sure that that people who may be houseless in the neighborhood are still neighbors and treated with dignity. Yeah, I think the story that I often tell is within our family and my kids who are growing up now, um, all teenagers, but growing up, we would always um, engage with the unhoused um, as humans, as neighbors. And my daughter, my youngest daughter, uh, she's 14 now, um, she's very animated about them being her friends. And so when she was at school and she would see her friends who are unhoused, she would talk with them, with her friends being very concerned. Why would you talk to homeless people? That's bad. Shouldn't you be afraid of them? You shouldn't talk to them. Um, and her being able to educate them and go, no, they're my neighbor too. And so we have a number of unhoused in our neighborhood that when they see our family, they stop, they pause, they yell our name across the street. They're, they're part of the fabric of care within our community. And they have tremendous assets and value um, that they get to bring to our family. You, you mentioned your daughter. So it brings me to the next question of thinking, how is this particular group going to be able to pass on their legacy? Like, what is the legacy that you plan passing on to the next generation? Um, because often we create ministries and a lot of things that are personality and central driven, but you have a beautiful, larger vision of neighborhood. So there's a vision on what the future of the neighborhood is. Can you kind of fill me in a little bit on what you're doing 
um, to work toward the future of the neighborhood and assuring up them or getting them involved? Um, I know for me, in my context, um, a lot of what I try and do is sort of not push my own idea or vision. I want to come alongside of someone else who is doing something great and helps and support them. Because mm. um, there's tons of things that are happening in my city, but they don't know how to get funding. They don't know how to get support. And so for me, I'm like, okay, there's this young kid who has this amazing idea. Let me you know, help him in whatever he's doing. Um, and so for me, um, how I leave a legacy is by helping others fulfill what they want to do in their neighborhood, in their part of the neighborhood. Because um, then it's not about me. Now I can put myself out of the equation. I'm just there to support, to help, to to even just be a, 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 a board for them to go, what's this idea like? How does this feel to you? And then for me, it's the legacy is not about what I've done, but it's about what they've done. And they will naturally pass it on to others because that's what you do when you have something good. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to pass it on. Wow. That should be a song. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, two more questions. One is, is an offshoot of just, you know, it's almost like a reverse of the last question. It's. Uh, in a community that that I work in, there is a lot of elderly and they often feel their voice is unheard. Is there a space for the generations that are in there, you know, that are in that that post warrior stage? They're on their way into retirement. Is, is that this a community in a space? If someone's listening right now, would they be welcomed into this space with you? Yeah, Bryce and I just had a, uh, a meeting. One of the things that we do in Ottawa is an event monthly called Story Nights. And it brings in local uh, singer-songwriter, spoken word poet, and then stories of the neighborhood. And one of the questions that was posed at our meeting is, is there space for that elderly generation who feel isolated, alone? And so we brainstorm. What, what are some ways that we can be a space in a coffee shop where they can feel that their stories as elders, as those that we need to glean some wisdom from, can come and their stories be heard? So we're going to plan um, story nights where we have them sharing their stories of their experience in the neighborhood. It's not just the younger, but it is also the older. So, how, yeah, how can we create those diverse spaces? Well, before we get out of here, I want each one of you to do me a favor and just tell me, well, you know, just give me a little something to inspire people who are listening to get involved in their neighborhood in some sort of way. I think it's important for everyone to remember the power of um, connection, the power of relationship, uh, how just a collective like this can completely shift one person. And like from knowing that person that this person knows, you can be newly resourced, newly empowered. Um, just you never know what's in a relationship. And so staying open and staying accessible and staying present in your neighborhood uh, can change your tra- trajectory. I'm just going to go because same, same go. Um, I think that is the key. A big thing that I do and I spend a crazy amount of money doing it, but I try to um, visit all the local neighborhood shops and and yeah. taverns in my area because that's, that's where the in, that's where the great people are. It's just like I meet like the politicians, I meet the teachers, I meet the people on the board, business I meet business owners, I meet artists, musicians. Um, one of my good friends I met in a coffee shop just wrote the last Celine Dion album. I'm like oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm like it's amazing how you can just connect to people again over food or whatever in these places in, in these places and so for me it's like get out and and meet people and be seen by people because that those connections those kind of like opportunities to talk and to hang out can who knows what might happen from them i think those 
interactions can happen outside really well too. Like sure, just yeah. walking through mm. the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, Come on. Parks. Yeah, yeah. Parks. Like there's so many people to connect with. And when we talk about those who are under housed, like that, that can be an opportunity to connect and meet um, with people who are dealing with a variety mm. of things and an opportunity to learn yeah. as well. So yeah, I would just riff off you and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. outdoors, totally. just be outside in your neighborhood. That's a good place to start. Mm. I think so often we treat education as something that we accomplish and finish. And for me, as someone who loves my neighborhood and uh, and wants others to love their neighborhood uh, because people will flourish when there's love in the neighborhood, uh, I want I would love for people to to consider being students of their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And as they begin an education of their neighborhood, I think they'll learn and they'll know how to respond a lot better to to their neighbors and to the issues that the neighborhood has. I think we all have um, interest and passions and things that, you know, make us um, human and, and they give us purpose. Um, and in our neighborhood, I think we have so much untapped potential to expand our horizons and, and, and understand the world in a different way by just connecting with the stories and the people around us. I think, you know, we, we pass people on a daily basis um, on the street, in our neighborhoods, you know, at work. Um, but I don't know how often we, we stop to just get to know the individual and their story and how they see the world, how they've experienced the world. And I think my my um, perspective on life has been you know greatly uh, enriched by those conversations and they tend to happen in, in you know, places in, in your neighborhood and in your community. Um, and I think we're just depriving ourselves from you know, uh, being able to experience the fullness of life. We often think, you know, if I want to experience life, I need to travel. Um, mm -hmm. But talking to people who may themselves have, you know, mm -hmm. traveled in, in, in not just in, in that, you know, like I've gone to places, but I've traveled experiences and, um, you know, I have a certain philosophy about life. And I think there's just so much richness there that, that we're missing. Um, and we can travel in without physically going to different places and, and expand our philosophies and uh, our view of the world. And I think it's just a beautiful way to, to do that in, in the neighborhood. Good. Yeah, I don't think there's much to add. Those are <laughs> amazing. Um, if, I think for me, it's it's encouraging people to be curious. To We're out of practice when it comes to asking good questions or questions at all. Mm -hmm. And we tend to go about our day and get caught up in a dominant cultural script of busy. Mm -hmm. And can we be present? And can we create space to pause and to look around, to lift our eyes and our gaze and go, who is here? What is here? Um, and be curious about your place. All right. Well, I want to thank you for doing the Sit Up Podcast and thank you for the work that you're doing. You're on the front line fighting against, you know, food deserts and mm -hmm. poverty in the neighborhoods. And you're bringing in just hope and inspiration. And so thank you for all you that you're doing with the arts, everything. I'm, I'm obviously going to leave out a lot of what you do. So thank you for that. And thank you for joining us on the Sit Up Podcast. Thanks. Come on. Thank you. Yeah.